from the four corners of Southern California. This is the Hot Seat and you're in it with me, Max Schwartz. It starts right now. Today on the phone, I have as the seventh candidate for the Los Angeles County Sheriff to call into the hot seat, Bob Olmstead. How are you, Mr. Olmstead? Thank you very much for taking the time to call into the hot seat. Oh, um, thank you very much for the opportunity. My pleasure. And this is a continuation of the Hot Seat Sheriff Candidate Series. I will be sticking to my election protocol. And I've got lots of questions for the candidates and not a lot of time. So without further ado, let's get started. Why are you running for Los Angeles County Sheriff? Um, over the years, uh, there's been a, a consistent pattern of uh, gross mismanagement, uh, corruption, uh, and uh, federal uh, lawsuits and oversights that uh, things need to change. Uh, I ended up uh, reporting a lot of this to the FBI and reporting the corruption, uh, but we need uh, new leadership. And uh, as a result of what I call the catastrophic failure of leadership in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, uh, we need to uh, get back on track. Okay. And I want to just ask you on that because you consider you make yourself stand out, and your your whole your one of your main points is that you were the whistleblower on a lot of what was going on in the sheriff's department. Would you mind just explaining what you were the whistleblower on specifically, if you're allowed to, and also how that how the public know knows that you're telling the truth? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um... I was the uh, commander in charge of the three southern jails, uh, Men's Central Jail, Twin Towers, and Century Regional Detention Facility. Um, And we put protocols and and indices together to identify certain key uh, issues that might pop up. And one issue that popped up that uh, was just a huge increase was the fact that there was a lot of broken bones, or we call significant force, going on at the time. Significant force is when a bone is broken uh, or there's a head strike, and it literally it, uh, it doubled in, the, in just a one-year period. Uh, I'm very familiar with Mid Central Jail because I was the captain there at one time and ran it. And during that time frame, I actually lowered force by 25%. Now we see it uh, increasing with broken bones. I did some research and found out that the deputies were purposely breaking bones of inmates solely as an as an initiation to join the rogue gang of deputies up on those particular floors. Well, once I found out what the problem was and where it lied, uh, the problem was the, was the captain at Men's Central Jail that allowed this type of internal corruption uh, to uh, permeate. Uh, only the sheriff can move or, per- or promote a person on the department of command staff. And so I had to go through the chain of command, uh, and uh, they ignored me. I went to my boss with all the uh, evidence to, uh, which validated the uh, broken bones and mistreatment of the inmates, and he wouldn't do anything about it. And I said, well, I have to go over your head. Then I went to uh, Assistant Sheriff Marv Cavanaugh, and he says, I can't do anything about it, even though this is my, um, uh, my jails, um, my command. He says, you need to go to Paul Tanaka. I went to Paul Tanaka twice, and then I went to Lee Baca twice. And both of them just turned a blind eye and walked away. And in that particular Point, my wife became terminally ill, and uh, I had 33 years on. I said, well, I'm just going to retire. But the problem was still sitting in my lap. Uh, I said at that particular point, when I went to Lee Baca one more time uh, in uh, 2010, it was right before Christmas in 2010, and he walked away from me again, I said uh, to myself, I have to go to the FBI and report it. And I'm glad I did. And so would you say that you going to the FBI and reporting it is what led to the investigation, which led to the 18 indictments? Uh, yeah, it led to uh, the downfall of uh, Lee Baca, who was based on all the corruption. Uh, thank goodness I did report it because we 
the Citizens Commission on Jail Violence was initiated. They uh, addressed all the problems I was bringing up, and uh, finally, after uh, two years, Lee Baca at the time, uh, finally accepted all the recommendations, uh, all 63 of them, from the Citizens Commission on Jail Violence, uh, and unfortunately also led to punitive damages. The captain that I was talking about was punitively assessed $115,000 in two federal lawsuits. Lee Baca was uh, punitively assessed $100,000. Now, those monies technically have to come out of the pockets of those individuals. That was the alpha omega of the particular problem. Uh, and uh, thank goodness I did because uh, I did go out and report this because this has led to uh, other significant changes. But also it led to additional uh, corruption within the organization which led up to the 18th, and that was the moving of the inmate. Okay, and we'll get to that in a moment. For clarification purposes, when did you retire? I retired uh, the uh, very end of November of 2010. Okay. And then I want to go back to what you had said. You said you retired as the commander of the Southern Jails. So then didn't some of this some of this violent streaks or the excessive use of force that we saw in the jails, did any of that happen under your watch? No, no, no. When I was a captain of I was a captain of Men's Central Jail, I lowered force by 27 um, I'm sorry, by 25% and I've got the statistics that show it. I've got the uh uh, the matrix that uh, was made by our detective division. I lowered force by 25 percent, by uh, and I did so without any extra money, uh, deputy supervision, or or cameras. I just held people accountable and what they were responsible for. I did such a great job running the jails. Lee Baca promoted me to commander, and when he promoted me to commander, he gave me two more jails to be in charge of. And it wasn't until a year later when all these numbers started to get skewed. Uh, and the broken bones uh, were uh, were uh, being elevated that we found in our indices that we put together that I realized that the problem was actually the captain that allowed this type of uh, illegal activity to occur. Okay, so even though you were the commander of the jails, it wasn't, I guess what I should say is this was happening, was it happening under your watch though, but you you weren't the one ordering it, it was the captain's problem? It was the captain of Men's Central Jail where all the beatings were occurring. I oversaw three, uh, two other jails on top of that with other collateral issues that I needed to deal with. But once I identified a particular problem and realized the genesis of the problem was the lack of, uh, it was the, again, the catastrophic failure of leadership, that's when I went up to Sheriff Baca. And Sheriff Baca is the only person that can move a captain or higher on the department. I even though this gentleman, um, uh, Dan Cruz, this captain worked for me, I do not have or did not have, and no commander has the power or authority just to move people, and it can only come from the sheriff. So I go to the sheriff and say, we have a significant problem. This particular uh, 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 captain needs to be moved. We need to change the internal culture. Will you help me, help me do this? And he turned around and walked away. Okay. And I'd like to move on now, and we'll get all back into this in a moment. But yeah. the sheriff is the head of the police agency for the largest county in the country and head of the largest jail system in the country. Why should the voters trust you to hold this important, powerful post? You know, I'm the only one that had the courage to take on the organization and go to the FBI. And, and I'll exact, uh, uh, example this here with you. If you take a look at all the media coverage in the last three and a half years, all the negative coverage that occurred, we've got deputies arrested. We have poor hiring standards. We've got uh, the violations of the Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment up north with, uh, with the harassment of the blacks and Hispanics uh, on the north uh, county. 
We've got the moving of the inmate, obstruction of justice, pattern and practice. None of this could have occurred in a vacuum. None of it. All of this had to have occurred under the watch of the command staff, the executive command staff in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. So I have to ask, where is the command staff that allowed this to occur? Shame on the command staff for turning a blind eye. This is the, the inappropriate internal culture that's going on with the, uh, within the organization. I'm the only one that stepped out and actually exposed this, and thank goodness I did, because now we're finally starting to get some changes. Now we're finally getting into an election where we have some people running, uh, running for sheriff. Now we have Lee Baca finally stepping down, and now, now we're able to get some, uh, some good positive change. Okay. And what have you done in the past, and what do you do currently that makes you qualified for the position of sheriff? If you take a look at the Board of Supervisors, and the reason why they picked their interim sheriff, John Scott, the Board of Supervisors picked the interim sheriff for one reason and one reason only. He's an outsider with an inside perspective. I am the only candidate, and I'll say that again, the only candidate right now that's considered an outsider with an inside perspective. I'm an outsider because I have the courage and, and wisdom to go outside the organization and report the corruption. I'm but, glad I did, and I put my head on a soft pillow at night and I could sleep, because now we're finally starting to get some changes. But I'm also an insider because I know the problems going on within the organization. And I'm the only candidate right now, the only candidate that has a comprehensive 17-page plan of reform. So I have to ask all the citizens of Los Angeles County, if you're going to hold the sheriff accountable, well, you better think that the sheriff candidate himself should have a plan where, that uh, you can look at and see if that matches or meets your needs. No other candidate has a re reform plan that's published. They have a couple of bullets. I'm, no plan whatsoever. We're not so talking about re jail reform right now. I'm just asking you, what are your qualifications to be sheriff? You were a commander, and what was you were commander with the sheriff's department? You've, have you risen through the ranks of the sheriff's department? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, 33 years on the department. Um, I rose to the rank uh, all the way to commander, up to, and that's part of the executive command staff. I taught college for over 20 years, um, uh, two nights a week at a local community college on a variety of criminal justice uh, courses. I taught high school. I taught the um, uh, Explorer program. Um, I was in the Army. I was in the Coast Guard Reserve. I'm following my dad's footsteps, who's uh, second generation. My son wants to be third generation. I've got my bachelor's uh, in uh, business, my master's in public administration. I've got the teach credential. I went to about a dozen, a variety of uh, executive commands uh, colleges. One of the most prestigious is the FBI's National Academy, as well as the uh, Cornell University on Leadership and uh, Boston University for Senior Management Institute of Policing. Okay. And so given all those qualifications, will you run the department like it's a law enforcement agency, like it is a business, or like a combination of the two? No, you have to run it as a combination of the two. You're talking a $2.7 billion budget. And it, but here's one of the failures that, that we have in law enforcement right now. Every program we put in, we do not build a return on investment into it. But yet if you take a look at every private entity, every private business out there, their model, their business model is built on a return on investment. You, uh, you uh, have an outlay of dollars, and what's your investment? And you better make a profit on it or use the money wisely. You're not going to succeed. We do not build in a return on investment at all in any of the programs we do. And a good example is our uh, SANE or DARE program. Uh, we can't tell you if it's a good program or not. Uh, conceptually, it's an outstanding program when you teach young kids what's going on, but we don't track it, we don't measure it, and we don't have any feedback to go ahead and determine the success of these particular programs. So we need to run it both as a business 
and both as a law enforcement perspective, both as a business manager and both as a leader. So would you bring, would you want to hire someone that's from a business, with a business background and who's been in business to run part of the business side and the monetary side? Absolutely. It's absolutely critical and for consistency and continuity. I need to have a budget person in there, not a sworn officer, but a, um, a, a private citizen who, uh, who does this for a living. And I can uh, count on that particular person from an historical perspective of how they do stuff for uh, 15, 20, 30 years. More often than not, we just put a sworn person in for two, three years and move it on to someone else. And we can't operate that way. Okay. And will, will you manage like the law enforcement officer who holds the highest rank in the agency, or will you manage like the manager of a business? Well, again, you have to do both. Um, the one thing that we, uh, that we failed on the department is we, we, uh, the, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department doesn't have a vision. Where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? How are we going to anticipate the needs uh, of, of uh, the citizens of L.A. County? For example, when's the last time you ever heard of our jails ever being undercrowded? They've been overcrowded for 40, 50 years. And part of the overcrowding means you're, we're paying lawsuits, uh, we're, we have outlay of, of money over detentions, whatever the case may be. So it has to be a combination of both, both from a business perspective as well as the uh, standpoint of being visionary where you want to go in the future from a leadership standpoint. Okay. And again, we'll talk about some of those in a moment. But how will you restore people's faith in the office of sheriff and the department as a whole and restore integrity in the office? We have lost the public trust. There is no transparency on, the, uh, on, on our department. And when we have aerial platforms flying over our citizens in, in the city of Compton, I go, how can the people even trust us? I was the first candidate to support Gloria Molina and Mark Release Thomas's uh, Citizens Oversight Commission. I went public with this. I put a press release out saying it's about time. We really don't need um, this type of oversight unless we've lost the public trust. The only way we're going to get it back is I need to open up the doors to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. As a matter of fact, I need to take the doors off, and I need to allow uh, the Citizens Oversight Commission to come in and take a look at how we do business and how we can do things better. Okay. And moving on now, and we're going to talk about the Citizens Oversight Commission. If a constituent were to ask you, if you are elected, what will you do to reform and improve the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, what would you say? The biggest thing we need to do is look at our hiring protocols. We are the largest sheriff's department in the United States, the largest. And I will just ask you, and I'll give you the answer. How many uh, re active recruiters do you think we have that are recruiting from the community? The answer is one. That's it. And they don't recruit. They wait for people to come to us. For us to be successful and being one of the most diverse counties in the nation, I need to reach out to all the communities and talk to them about what their needs are and hire from those uh, particular communities and those diversities and bring them into our organization so we can train them and teach them and then put them back out on the street so they can be our eyes and ears and conduit with the communities that, that uh, they just came from. We are not doing that. We had a job fair here a couple of months ago held up at our North County and uh, at uh, College of the Canyons. Every organization and agency showed up except us, and yet we were hosting it. We are not actively going after recruiting good people for the right reasons. So for clarification, then, you'd want to reform and improve the Sheriff's Department by bringing in genuine people who actually want to be there and actual members of the community who know what, what, is, what their surroundings are. The diverse community. I can't tell you how important it is. I'll give you an example. I was over at... Uh, we don't need yeah. examples just because for time purposes. We okay, that's fine then. That's fine. 
And then move along the same lines, if a constituent were to ask you if you are elected, what will you do to make the county safe and improve policing specifically, what would you say? Again, the same thing. Right now, the department is downsizing a reserve and civilian volunteer program. Downsizing. That's the exact opposite of what we should be doing right now. From an economy of scale, our civilian volunteers work for free. Our reserves work for a dollar a year. We should not be downsizing. I need to have more voices from the community. I need to have more civilian volunteers. I need more reserves. And by uh, having them as my ambassadors out of the various communities, and then we can listen and have them be, be the ambassadors, and we can listen to them as of what some of the problems are, then they can bring them back to us. And, and that's the only way we're going to be able to bridge the gap and uh, by identifying what the needs of the community are. It's, instead of us giving them what they think they need, we need to listen to what they actually need so we can provide that service. Okay. And this is, I, I'm going to go back to your vision. Would you mind just explaining what your vision is, if it is relevant to improving policing within the county? Uh, one more time. So is, does, does your vision involve improving the policing within the county? Oh, absolutely. But the, the so, only way I'm going to be successful is I have to reach out to the communities. I understand um, that, but would you mind explaining your vision? Because you didn't expl all you said earlier was you had a vision. You didn't necessarily go into detail. Oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. I thought it was uh, explained a little bit. My vision is that the only way I can provide the services that are needed to the communities out there in, in the 10,000 people, uh, 10 million people we have in the uh, county, is to listen to what their particular needs are. Uh, and if by listening to what their needs are, I'll be able to identify some of the particular problems and nuances. Um, again, uh, cultural diversity is absolutely critical. When I was in the service, we went in-country. When in-country, we didn't even uh, step into the country until we had cultural diversity training so we don't offend the host. We have 160 or so very diverse communities within L.A. County. And if I don't understand and know the unique aspects of every one of those and hire from those particular uh, uh, diverse uh, cultures, then I'm not going to know what the specific needs are. So for me to go ahead and, and uh, what I don't want to do is, is, is insult or uh, upset the community, but I'm going to have to know what the community needs are. I think I know what they are, but I need to hear from them first. That way I know I can go ahead and handle the problem. Okay. And continuing on the lines now of reform, and you've already mentioned this, but just to have it on the record when I ask the question, do you support a Citizens Oversight Commission, yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. And how much power would you want that body to have? It, uh, it, can't, it cannot usurp the power of the sheriff because that's an elected office. By doing that, we might as well not even have an elected office. However, we can give it uh, and, and, and design the citizens oversight so it's a uh, has extreme uh, leverage at, uh, and would be beneficial by making it a, a very uh, good uh, blue ribbon panel and I will tell you how I would do it um, I would have a, a nine member panel and uh, the nine and I would have a retired judge uh, pick probably 75 to 100 acceptable candidates from the community whether they're attorneys judges civil rights activists community leaders then the Board of Supervisors would get one vote each and out of this pool of 100. The sheriff would then get four uh, picks, and that would be a total of nine. And then based on any problems that the Citizens Oversight Commission has, the answer would be uh, based on a, uh, a supermajority of six or more. So with the sheriff picking uh, four of the five uh, of the nine uh, uh, people sitting on the panel uh, and having a supermajority of six, seven, eight, nine in agreement, uh, this would be a uh, high-profile blue-ribbon panel uh, that the sheriff would be embarrassed not to uh, accept any of the recommendations because he made the picks as well. 
so I think this is the way the Citizens Oversight Commission should be designed. Okay, but you're saying that their recommendations would just be recommendations. They wouldn't be mandated. Absolutely. You can't have the mandates, because if you have the mandates, then you, sur- you, you usurp the, the, uh, the power of the citizens of Los Angeles County, because now you eliminate democracy. Okay. And Max Huntsman is a corrupt politician's worst nightmare, and is the relative, or a corrupt politician's worst nightmare, is the relatively new inspector general. Do you believe having an inspector general is a good idea? Absolutely. Uh, and I think he would be a good conduit to help assist on, on dealing with uh, a lot of the issues, not only uh, with, uh, with the department, but with the public. I would love to have uh, Max Huntsman have access to the public where they can come in and report anything that they uh, have, a, have an issue with as well. And currently on the department, uh, what we have is a, uh, is a way that the deputies can report uh, corruption, but they won't do it. For the deputies to report corruption on the department, they have to enter their name and their employee number in a county computer, and we're not getting that accomplished. People aren't reporting that. I would love to see deputies be able to report to Max Huntsman some of the problems they're having as well as an independent resource for us to go ahead and make the sheriff's department better. How do you plan on working with Max Huntsman or whoever is the inspector general? You know, you just need to be open. You just need to bridge the gap. Uh, You need to be forthright. You have to open up the door. Uh, you have to be the leader. Uh, Max Huntsman will have uh, immediate access to anything he wants on the department, uh, as long as we follow the uh, the uh, protocols of the Peace Officers Bill of Rights. Okay. And will you put his recommendations into place? Would you want his recommendations to be binding? No, because if they're binding, it's the same thing. Why have an elected office if we're going to have other people make binding decisions for us? It usurps the democracy of having an elected office. Now, if they want to eliminate the elected office and not elect a sheriff anymore by vote, then I would say, yeah, that would be good to do. But uh, the sheriff has to be trustworthy enough uh, that uh, the citizens elect him. And if the citizens don't like him, then the citizens don't uh, need to vote him back in. I have to ask, because you just brought it up, would you then rather have a sheriff who is appointed, or would you rather have an elective sheriff? I'd rather have one that's elected. Again, this, okay. this is uh, the, the, the true aspect of, of democracy. Just like uh, a president of the United States, I don't want one appointed. I want the people to elect. I think that's the only way we're going to go ahead and achieve the balance that we need and, and be able to listen to the our constituents the way it should be. Okay, and I would like I would now like to incorporate former Sheriff Lee Bach into our discussion. And for the pur- for the purposes of disclosure, and for those that do not know, and you can explain what this what this means in terms of you being commander. Do you have any current or prior affiliation to or with Mr. Baca? Oh, absolutely. He was my boss. He was my mentor. He uh, brought me along for years and years. Um, uh, he was a good man, and he did a lot of good stuff for the department. However, his last uh, six or seven years, uh, my opinion, has been a dismal failure, uh, and I think it was time for a change. Okay. And he did resign, albeit at least partially for different reasons, after multiple scandals were uncovered. If new scandals, which started under the previous sheriff or under your tenure, are uncovered after the start of your term, what will you do? Uh, I have to continue with it, and that's the reason why I think Lee Baca uh, does not want me in office, because uh, he will support anybody but me at this particular point, which is fine with me, because when I get in there and I have to uncover and, and lift the rocks up, if I find any malfeasance, any, uh, any illegal activities, it will be investigated, and anybody involved will be prosecuted. Okay, and what will you do to make sure there are no new scandals that come out of L.A. County under your tenure? I set the tone. I do it by words and deeds. 
uh, I have to uh, set the uh, the uh, the standards of what needs to be done. And the best way for me to do this is the second I get into office, I'm going to have to take a lot of the command staff that's there right now and fire them or move them or uh, mitigate uh, their, their authority the best way I can in order to make sure that we uh, go down the right path. The, uh, the people down below, the deputies and, and the professional staff, need, to, <clears throat> need and, um, uh, a good supervision, and I think that's exactly what they're looking for, uh, just a good leader. So you would attempt to remove people or move people who were senior officials under Sheriff Baca to make sure the department starts off fresh? You have to. Again, as I said earlier, in the last three and a half years, with all the negativity going on in the department, the poor hiring standards, the P21 deputies indicted, you're looking at anywhere from 10 to probably 40 or 50 more future indictments. None of this happened in a void. It's happened under the watch of some of the current executive command staff on the department now. And for their failure to step up and do the right thing has led to this dismal uh, failure of the department. Okay. And that would mean you'd be okay with firing your former colleagues? I have to. It's not, you know, Colin Powell once said command's lonely. Uh, If I'm going to go up there and run the department the way it should be done, I'm going to have to fire people. Okay. And many people have said that because Sheriff Baca kept affirming he did not know about the scandals that the Los Angeles Times was reporting, he either turned a blind eye to them or really did not know what was going on in his department. Even though it is very large, what will you do to make sure you know what is going on in the Sheriff's Department? Right now, and I have to say this uh, because I don't have the exact uh, numbers, but I think we're the only law enforcement organization in the entire United States right now that has five separate federal invest state or federal investigations going on under its watch right now. Shame on us for not being attuned to what's uh, what's uh, currently uh, uh, happening. When I ran Mid Central Jail, I was uh, on the floors with the inmates constantly. As sheriff, I need to be everywhere within the county. Currently, there's a DOJ is up in the North County. Shame on us for having the DOJ identify all the problems out there. If that's the case, I need to be in the North County. If the problems are in Central Jail, my office will be in Men's Central Jail. I'm not going to be sitting up in an ivory tower. I manage by walking around, and I inspect what I expect. And by doing so, that's the only way I'm going to get myself on the pulse. Okay, so you'll be, in, you'll be actually on, on the ground observing what's going on. I have boots on the ground. I have to be. Okay. And you've already said this, but so you believe Mr. Baca brought good to the department, correct? Absolutely. And what will you do to make sure the good that he brought stays? Oh, you know, that's uh, that's simple. You just uh, allow it to continue. I mean, the, although uh, the new uh, interim sheriff changed our core values a little bit that uh, Lee Baca initiated, and that was one of the best things he's ever, he's ever done, uh, given us a set of values that should be uh, ingrained in every one of us. Uh, the second part is the um, uh, leadership program. I ran that for him. I taught it for years. Uh, what a great way to teach and engage in, in leadership activities. Uh, our uh, LASD University, the fact that we now have uh, college uh, protocols that are set up so anybody can go to college at a discounted rate, uh, which is just going to benefit the citizens of L.A. County. Okay. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good that Lee Baca did. Okay. And for purposes of time now, uh, we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on. So some of the candidates running for the third district seat on the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors have said they would like to use the quote-unquote power of the purse to get the sheriff to make changes they or the board would like made. As sheriff, how would you respond if the power of the purse is used? I have to ask, why do they need to have this leverage over our head? Just the mere fact that the questions even stated that way tells me that we're in a contentious situation. Why do we have to be contentious? 
it does not make sense. The only way we're going to get along is to work together, find out what the problems are, and if there's things I can do to help them uh, uh, manage the budget, I will do that. If there's things that I need that's going to help the citizens of L.A. County, I'm going to request it from the Board of Supervisors. It's just a matter of being able to reach out with a, with your hand and, and uh, uh, lend a hand and, and help out the best way you can. And how do you plan on working together with the Board of Supervisors? Just making that bridge. Again, we do not need to have a contentious situation. They handle the, they control the purse strings. Uh, I need, I realize that. I need to know that. But at the same time, I need to convince them that I'm running a very good, strict shop. We spent over 100 million dollars in lawsuits in the last three years. That's not being attuned to uh, uh, budgetary issues. And they, and the board of supervisors is probably upset that this is a, a ton of money being paid out needlessly. So I need to let them know that I'm going to be cognizant of all the particular problems that deal with the financial aspect of it. And then that once they start to trust me and, and, and understand that I'm there for the right reasons, then we can work together. Okay. And now moving to the federal government, the U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California has indicted 18 deputies and members of the brass, and more indictments could come. If you are elected, what will you do to make sure this behavior stops and the cultures change so the people know acting like these 18 did is not okay and such behavior will not be tolerated? It's leadership. It's a catastrophic failure of leadership on the department. 98, 99% of the men and women on this department are good, hardworking people. It's the leadership that failed uh, the citizens of L.A. County and the men and women on the department. I set the tone. I set the directions. The other aspect is this internal culture that we have where we have these rogue gangs and, and uh, gangs of deputies, whether the jump-out boys, the Vikings, uh, the 3,000 boys. This gang mentality has got to stop. Uh, we, got, we have to be held to a much higher standard, and that's not what we're doing. I need to get back to the nobility of policing, and that is you hire of character and you promote of character. You hire of integrity and you promote of integrity, and that's how you go ahead and move forward. And you'd eliminate the gangs by firing their commanding officer? Or how would you eliminate the gangs? Well, actually, probably a combination of both. One, for the officers for allowing it to occur, and number two, for the deputies for doing it. So it's, it's, it's a combination. If, if, it's, uh, if, if, it's, if there's a need to fire, that's what will occur. If there's a need to transfer or demote, uh, that's exactly what will happen. Each case is going to have to be weighed on its uh, independent value. And then based on that, we'll just move forward. Okay. And speaking of firing, will you fire the 18 individuals who've been indicted? No, I can't. They've got their rights. And I wouldn't want to um, uh, do that until uh, they've, they had their, their, their trial and uh, their case has been heard. If everything comes back that uh, that's, everything was fine and uh, they didn't do anything wrong, I'll take a look at it from an administrative process to see if they violated any administrative wrongs as opposed to criminal wrongs. Now, if there's some administrative wrongs, uh, then yes, I will. If there's administrative wrongs that, uh, that don't reach uh, a level of firing, well, then I will um, uh, give them the discipline and the proper training. If they're found guilty, would they be fired? Absolutely. Okay. And well, this is a yes or no question because we're short on time. Will you get to the bottom of why the FBI informant was moved in the jails? Uh, yes, and I already know why. Go ahead. Okay. And Los Angeles, I want to talk about Friends of the Sheriff now, the hiring program, which helps applicants who are relatives or close friends of a member of the department during the hiring process. If you are a sheriff, would you eliminate this program if it is not already eliminated? We will hire only the best. There will not be any friends of sheriff. The only people will be hired on the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, those that meet and fit the standards and needs of, of our requirements, 
uh, the citizens of L.A. County uh, only deserve the best. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, and thank you very much for joining me in the hot seat today. Mr. Olmstead, it was a pleasure. The hot seat after hours starts right now. You can email the hot seat inbox at the hot seat with Max Schwartz at gmail.com, or you can tweet me at Max Schwartz TV. You can also read and follow my blog at maxschwartztv.blogspot.com. You can subscribe to the hot seat's newsletter by clicking on the link on our page. Go to annenbergradio.org slash podcast and click on the link underneath the hot seat's description and enter your email address. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next time with 62nd Assembly District candidate Adam Plimpton.